Hello and welcome to our global S&OP community weekly podcast Brought to you by Ahmed Khalid and Ahmed Al-Hamamsi from Middle East Our global S&OP community podcast mission is to build a global community from supply chain, marketing, trade marketing, sales and finance all over the world Where everyone's voice could be heard and listened Every week we host a new episode with great thought leader in the S&OP industry. We believe that one word, one story, or one conversation could open up the light in the screen of your consciousness and you'll never be the same again. We discuss hot and trending topics with our subject matter experts by asking the right questions that uncover their valuable experience in our show. You can visit our website ahmedkhaled.com .co Stay tuned every week with our global S&OP community podcast. Our great guest today is Samer Elmadhoun. Little bit about Samer. Samer, he is the managing partner for Mohakat Institute. Mohakat Institute is one of the biggest institutes in the Middle East who provides Apex courses. They are an elite partner with Apex. Samer also is a master instructor with Apex who masters and teaches CPIM. CSCP, CLTD, and SCORE. Samer, I, and I want you to think about this, Samer has delivered more than 3,000 hours of procurement and supply chain education all over the world. Can you imagine this number of hours? Can you imagine the experience that we will have today with this great thought leader? Samer is also a board member at the United Nations Global Compact Network in Jordan. Uh, it's an entity in charge of promoting a sustainable development goals worldwide. He is a supply chain consultant with over 20 years of experience. His mission is to create a culture of supply chain improvement through education and consulting with companies to implement sustainability and supply chain optimization. May I ask you, and as usual, let's welcome our great guest today, Samer Elmadhoun. Hello, <laughs> Hello Samer. Great and, to see and you. Samer I know also, that. <laughs> Samer also likes to drink tea as well. <laughs> Great, to see you. Great to see you, Samer. Ahmad, and, how is uh, going, man? Thank you very much for having me. It's, it's a pleasure. And let me thank you for the amazing effort that you're doing, whether on uh, supply chain for the supply chain community or whether with your amazing values that you're driving every day and touching people, inspiring them, influence them and helping more organizations to be better and better by your amazing strategy. Glad to have you, yeah, and we'll have great episode today, I'm sure, 100%. Always my pleasure, Ahmad. Thank you for having me. In fact, I have not, uh, first from, for speaking of the vision and what I want to do, uh, I, I guess uh, going live today with you is part of this vision because at Muhakat we always wanted to, to educate and spread the knowledge in supply chain. So uh, for me, it's, uh, it's great to be here tonight, actually. Um, by the way, I have not gone live <laughs> on any form of, of, uh, of webinars since, since a year and a half. And the reason behind that is that I got uh, um, Zoom fatigue. You know, so I, uh, <laughs> I, I stopped, I stopped uh, speaking at conferences online. I stopped doing webinars. And I kept myself away from all the live scenes and so on. But it's, it's really great to come back, Ahmed, after we met last time and we thought, uh, let's do something together. So it's always my pleasure. It's the same here. And uh, I think it's something exclusive to have you in this show. Because today, as I said, that we will share amazing knowledge that we will never find in books with your great experience. So let me start firstly with coming back into our core discussion, which is managing the supply chain KPIs. Why do we need to measure supply chain KPIs and how can we manage 
supply chain KPIs? And that's a great question. Actually, yeah, if I want to rephrase this question, it would be why do we need to manage supply chain performance? Uh, in fact, um, going back to the definition of supply chain management, supply chain management has many activities as part of management, one of which is planning, execution, and also monitoring and control. So when we say we practice monitoring and control for supply chain, it means we want to make sure that what we have planned and executed is going according to the way that we want it to be. All right. And th this is where supply chain, managing supply chain performance comes to play, actually. All right. In fact, also the looking at the, the management of performance in supply chain, I, I can say that it belongs to a bigger, bigger thoughts, which is basically the the continuous improvement aspects. The real reason why we attempt to manage supply chain performance is to always enhance the performance. So, but the, the, the role of thumb for this is you cannot enhance what you can't measure. Exactly. You cannot enhance what you can't measure. So the, the, the reason why we put KPIs in place or construct a performance management process is the urge that we need to enhance the supply chain performance. But you cannot enhance it if you can't measure it. For example, if you don't know that your reliability is 50% as a supply chain, how can you attempt to enhance it? So it's as simple as, it's as, simple as that. We, 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 in the heart of, of measuring supply chain performance is our desire to, to always enhance that performance, to stop and say, I need to redirect how things are going in my supply chain. Having said that, and this is where really you don't you don't really read this at box. The 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 essence of measuring performance is to always create continuous improvement cycle mm -hmm. within the organization. So we don't we don't measure for the sake of measuring. We measure for the sake of, of looking at what could be done how we redirect things, what is the pain point that's not allowing me to, to uh, achieve my objectives in supply chain, for example. And this is where we where, where the, the, the start of the whole continuous improvement cycle starts by understanding how does my performance look like, actually. So the uh, role of we cannot we cannot enhance what we can't measure. Yeah, I, I can relate to each each word what you're saying, uh, uh, Samir. And I think one of the biggest pain points inside supply chain and many organizations that they just get overwhelmed even with KPIs to an extent that they are just reporting it and getting the insights and just dig deep into details. But at the end of the day, when, when it comes to reality, we report it. But where is the, the, the achievements? Where, how you develop? What is the strategy? That's, what is the plan? That's the, that's, that's the pity that you measure for the sake of measuring, actually. And this area of continuous improvement is always missed from the performance measurement approach, where we measure for the sake of measuring. We overwhelm ourselves with hundreds of KPIs. But the bottom line to this is that they don't lead to enhancing performance, but we report on them. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 when I always talk about measuring performance and all the companies that I worked with and at, uh, I see hundreds of KPIs going here and there between departments <laughs> and so on. But then the bottom line to this is that there's no continuous improvement that follows the process of measuring performance. We, we cannot enhance what we can't measure. That's the bottom line. Yeah, this is this is the fundamental, which is something good. Yeah. So uh, just before I jump into the next question, uh, let me just stress with uh, with our audience, guys, feel free to ask whatever question into your mind. We'll jump into your question just for the sake of time. Uh, the question that uh, I have into my mind right now, uh, Sam, I think that supply chain is is always connected all together. That's why it's called supply chain. It's all like network together. Let's start firstly uh, from the downstream side and some some functionals uh, like customer service, like uh, uh, demand planning, like DRP, like 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 all of these uh, functions that serve. I'm, I'm assuming that we are working in B2B business. Uh, 
what are the the main KPIs that you see and how can they manage it? If, if I'm talking about performance management, because I believe that when we speak about this, it's about conflict, especially the conflicts between all of them. How can we manage these kind of conflicts and manage it? Um, the, the, this is a matter of supply chain maturity, actually. Uh, yeah, it, uh, we, when we talk about conflict that takes place in, in in measuring supply chain, the reason behind this is most of the times where departments live in silos, and every department wants to consider what is the best for them. How are they performing from a silo perspective? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you so you see procurement trying to enhance performance, measure performance, achieving objectives, but they put themselves in a silo where uh, eventually. Uh, they don't care what happens at the warehouses or what happens at inventory, for example, as a result of their behaviors. So, for example, uh, say a procurement department wants to achieve cost reductions, and that's one KPI for them. And this is really great where procurement put efforts to, to attempt to reduce cost by renegotiating contracts. Through the renegotiation process, supplier would say, why don't you buy double the quantity and you take 10% discount? Nice. And this really looks this really looks great for procurement where we applause for them because they have done 10% <laughs> right 10% discount on material cost for example and in, in 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 multinational companies and big organization this is something you know 100 dollars or whatever of cost reduction is really great okay so we ordered double of the material uh, or uh, the sum of double of the material and then we ship that material to warehouses material stays at warehouses we end up paying carrying costs for inventory yeah. that goes up to 25% of material cost. <laughs> so in this yeah. case, you have reduced cost, which is one great objective for procurement. But what really happened at the warehouses from an inventory standpoint is that we increased the cost of carrying 25%. All right, Have the company achieved objectives in this case of cost reduction? Absolutely no, because they ended up paying more inventory carrying costs in this. Exactly. So this comes back to the silo thinking mm. and where every department tries to optimize their own objectives, regardless of how this would look like as an impact on other objectives for other departments. Yeah, so the, 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 the header to this is, is basically cross-functionality. It all comes back to cross-functionality and how organizations are able to, to try to integrate different objectives together, right? Yeah. And, and, and uh, emphasizing uh, the need to have trade-offs in supply chain, which is, by the way, very normal. I, I have not seen uh, any supply chain that doesn't have trade-offs, like the example that we talked about earlier. So uh, the, the company, the, the departments, the supply chain functions needs to look at the overall um, benefit of the organization and the supply mm -hmm. chain, not from a silo standpoint, but from a function standpoint, mm -hmm. where what needs to be done and what the, the objectives to be achieved. And then the, the, the idea of KPIs being conflicting are, you know, they become less harmful to the organization as a result of that, right? So if you look today at different levels of maturity in supply chain, right? The, some supply chains are totally dysfunctional. Some supply chains are, are semi-functional. Some supply chains are integrated. Degrade. Some supply yes. chains are, are, are uh, extended and so on. So this kind of cross-functional thinking where we have objectives together to achieve is more of an integrated approach in supply chain rather than being dysfunctional in the supply chain. Uh, exactly. I can relate also to this situation, what you say, because each function, and I think it's all about the leadership, when it comes to that, sometimes it's even a lack of capabilities. I'm, I'm thinking loudly with you because people sometimes they think in a silo way because they don't they don't understand what's around them. And when they understand what's around them, they can take the right decision, especially in the, the example that you said uh, and you mentioned it, Samer, which is speaking mainly about the total cost of ownership because every element inside the total cost of ownership should be enhanced and should be even tracked. Sometimes you are just annihilated and focusing on one element, small element from the total formula of the total cost uh, of ownership and ignore the others. And you will find that uh, we will do a savings in our bottom line with X now, amount 
at the end of the day, you will not see these savings anyway because you don't understand the flow of materials and you don't understand the flow and the network of the supply chain. If you move yeah. here, what will be the impact here? Which is something take, very... Yeah. Take, for example, the, the cost of supply chain, cost of supply chain management. It's a KPI that that has a bit of cost from, from many functions in the supply chain. Cost to plan, cost to source, cost to make, cost deliver. to deliver, cost deliver. to return, cost to enable, and so on. Yeah, so basically you can be doing great job in reducing the cost to source, but that does not necessarily mean you're doing great in, in the cost to plan or, or other areas. So, so we have to emphasize here the cross-functional approach towards measuring performance and understanding supply chain objectives to be achieved. And then the KPIs thing will follow because we have we try to have unified uh, objectives to achieve. And the fact that uh, that we, we measure performance, it all comes back to the objectives that we need to achieve. So basically, you have a, a strategy in place, and then you have this objective, and you want to achieve that objective. And the question by time passing, did we achieve that objective or not, <laughs> is a matter of measuring performance. All right. So it all comes back to what is the objective that we need to achieve. So if we are not cross-functional about what we want to achieve, there, there will be many conflicts here and there about exactly. the KPIs that we are using and how do they conflict in figures and so on. Exactly. Thank you, Samar. I think we have the first question from our friend Mahmoud Bari. He is saying that one of very important factors in the supply chain, info flow. Does info flow is one of the major KPIs and how can we measure it? Um, actually, information flow is not a KPI as much as it is a flow that leads to visibility in supply chain, right? So we, we don't basically tend to measure information flow, but we use the visibility to enable seeing through the supply chain and measuring performance, right? So I, would, I wouldn't worry, Ahmed and everyone, I wouldn't worry about measuring the, the information flow, but I would, I would worry about having the information in place, which is the information flow, making data available for me to analyze and measure going forward in the supply chain. So no visibility, no KPIs, no measuring performance, right? So information flow comes in handy for organizations in order to be able to measure performance actually. And without it, it's, it's one of the major flows in the supply chain. Without it, we wouldn't have visibility. And without visibility, we wouldn't be able to figure out what is going on my supply chain through the KPIs and measuring performance and so on. Thank you, Samir. Yes, we have another question from Shalini. She is saying, does black blockchain technology require different KPIs? Uh, Shalini, the, the, back to the idea of having objectives in supply chain, right? The, 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 the way we think of KPIs in supply chain is the need to achieve an objective and to see if this objective is being fulfilled, right? Mm -hmm. So blockchain is a great technology. It's an emerging practice. And um, uh, we would, we, I wouldn't think of putting KPIs for a, for a blockchain process or uh, a documentation process like the blockchain. I would rather worry about uh, what is the objective that I need to achieve throughout the blockchain. So basically the blockchain would promote uh, visibility would promote documentation, would would promote transparency, would promote uh, uh, less piracy, uh, and so on, and ethical supply chain, uh, transparent supply chain. So I, I would I would worry about measuring these things in the supply chain, not the blockchain itself. All right. Thank you, Samir. The next question is from Zichan. He's asking for continuous improvement to enhance performance after measuring it. What improvement model to use? Oh man, this is uh, uh, this is uh, a sea of there. Are, there is a plethora of continuous improvement tools like Plan Do Check Act, like Six Sigma, like using the score model in supply chain, like uh, theory of constraints. I mean, I mean, uh, total quality management thinking. Uh, root cause analysis to understand what is the problem, you know, all these, all, all these great 
continuous improvement tools uh, 20 to 80 to understand the size of the problem you know there are many continuous improvement tools i uh, if if you ask me about my favorite way to do things is basically to think six sigma where you try to define so basically the the measure is not doing great the kpi is not doing great the, the objective is not being achieved and then you have i have to think continuous improvement uh, like define measure analyze and uh, uh, understand the problem in order to to overcome the problem so what is the root cause of the problem you start using things like fishbone analysis and the 20 to 80 approaches and so on uh, you, you define the size of the problem you think of control charts and these things and that's the missing part uh, zishan that's this is a great question that's the missing part we measure for the sake of measuring and the cycle is not continued until we attempt to enhance the performance as a result of measuring it thank you samir we'll jump into the next question um sure. we have now the next question from our friend side he is asking can you explain how much the pull-up effect uh, affected almost the supply chain performance yeah of course because the if you come back to this phenomena i think every single supply chain suffers uh, a blue effect uh, yeah so the the when we talk below effect this means at any point of time you either have out of stock somewhere or overstock somewhere else right uh below effect would mean to me after years of experience that forecast accuracy is not doing well for example right so below effect is a result of poor performance and this from a measuring standpoint can be reflected by poor forecasting or forecast inaccuracy can be measured by overstock or dead stock value or salvage items can be measured by the cash to cash cycle time because the cash to cash cycle time uh, one element of the cash to cash cycle time is the inventory days of supply and so bulb effect would mean more more stock everywhere bulked in the supply chain so i can see many 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 uh, kpis that can evolve around the bulb effect actually right? but again and again we we measure to see if an objective is being achieved. All right, so most of the questions coming here, blockchain, below effect, and so on. Um, basically, when you want to measure performance, my greatest advice is that to think, what is the objective that I want to achieve? And then, for example, cost reduction, or higher responsiveness, or better reliability, or higher availability. That's an objective to achieve in supply chain. And then KPIs complements this by saying, I want to make sure do um, am i am i available in the market what is my availability rate so you say the 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 uh, higher what is what is required for the next period is enhancing availability that's an objective right and the kpi would be in this case uh, 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 for example stock out percentage if you have a high stock out percentage this means you are not the availability rate is low or by measuring fill uh, uh, on time in full for example or order fill rate they will tell you if the availability is being achieved or not all right so guys focus on an objective to fulfill and kpis will follow as a result yeah this is this is the aim for for any kpi we uh, have our friend uh, abdullah al harbi greetings from jeddah kc so thank you abdullah, Hello, abdullah. thank you we have ahmed qasim He's asking, are new norms affected on supply chain KPI setting? Of course, Ahmed, because uh, we live in a VUCA world today. Vulnerable, complex, uh, ambiguous, uncertain. uncertain environment. And and certainly now the, we need to look uh, to things in a different way in the entire supply chain, including uh, how do we measure our supply chain performance. So companies now are stressing out lead time, order fulfillment cycle time, agility rate. Uh, agility is becoming the name of the game, right? Stock out percentage a result, as a result of the outcomes, uh, cost of supply chain as a result of increasing the cost of deliveries and so on. So yeah, certainly I can relate what is happening today globally with uh, with uh, with our kpis yeah it doesn't mean that we need to create a whole new set of kpis but i think we need to adopt kpis that relates to the objectives again so uh, increasing uh, uh, time to deliver 
Now, the objectives always to be available, and now the time to deliver is stretching because of the global conditions. So back to an objective, and then we measure according to that. But yes, of course, the current uh, situation is globally a dilemma, and uh, certainly it affects negatively our, uh, our measuring of supply chain. Yeah. Thank you, Samir. We have our friend is sending greetings from Dubai, Mu'taz uh, Mustafa. He's sending greetings from Dubai. Glad to see you, Samir Ahmed. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our friend, Matthew. Hello from Miami, Florida, USA. Great to see you, Matthew. A pleasure, uh, Matthew. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our friend, Ahmed Samah. I believe to achieve uh, the goal uh, of supply chain, uh, is, is just stopping measuring KPIs by department. What's your opinion on that, Samer? Come again, please. I'm trying to grasp the question. Sure. Ahmed Samah is asking, I believe to achieve the goal for supply chain is stopping measuring KPIs by department. He's speaking about just not de-aggregate KPIs by department, just to have aggregated KPIs, I believe this is what I understand, not just by uh, by department, like function. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any harm in uh, to looking at the KPIs from a departmental perspective, actually. The, 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 I mean, finance would have their own view of, of financial KPIs, procurement would have their own, supply chain would have their own. I, I see no harm in this, except the fact that these departments might uh, uh, conflict at any point of time in, in their view of what is good for the performance of the organization. Right? But uh, other than that, I think the classic way of perceiving this, I've always worked in companies where we do this as a department, actually. Right. So I, I think, um, uh, I think uh, um, this is the way that's being done today, measuring performance according to departments and functions. Yeah. Thank you, Samir. Uh, our friend, Abdullah Harbi, he is uh, saying, do you mean KPIs have a strong relationship uh, in the process of supply chain? Absolutely, Abdullah, because, uh, because the objectives, when we want to achieve an objective in supply chain, or you want to achieve a critical success factor in supply chain, like customer satisfaction, for example, it will all come back to process like the delivery process or for example, the, the manufacturing process or the return process and so on. So yeah, uh, the, the bottom line to this is we, it all comes back to a process that we are working on, like for example, dispatching uh, at the warehouse and then uh, routing transportation and then delivering to the customer doing the last mile delivery. And yeah, the last mile delivery is a process and then we would have KPIs like order fulfillment cycle time. Right, so all KPIs comes back to a process that we are achieving. And then even when you do continuous improvement, it all comes back to a process that you need to enhance, like for example, the last mile delivery or the dispatching or the accuracy of picking at the warehouse. All of these are different processes. And um, when you want to enhance performance, you will have to dig these processes to see where exactly is my problem? Because the order fulfillment cycle time is not doing well. So you will look into the, the time to pick material and the time to dispatch and the time to uh, deliver to the customer and so on. Yeah, thank you, Samir. I think our uh, friend, Shalini, she's sending thanks. Samir and Ahmed appreciate your response. Thank you, Shalini, for tuning in. Just feel free, guys, to ask whatever question. We have a great thought leader, not only in S&OP, but also in the business totally, our uh, great thought leader, Samir. So feel free to ask whatever you want. The second question from our friend, Alejo from Spain. He is asking about forecast mad bias. S&OP, uh, just I think that he sent something, just correction. S&OP ac uh, <laughs> accuracy, yeah, that's <laughs> accuracy. S&OP accuracy, your opinion, or more KPIs? Okay, let me try to figure this out. I think uh, uh, Elijo is asking about the bias in, in forecasting results yeah. and the mean absolute deviation, which is basically how much do we deviate from, from an accuracy standpoint between demand and, 
and forecast. And if this uh, affects the SNOP process, yeah, I think the forecast accuracy, all types of forecast accuracy calculation, mean absolute deviation, standard deviation, uh, bias calculations, and so on, are, are part of, of how I look at S&OP process from an operational standpoint. So S&OP process uh, uh, would want to synchronize supply and demand. And because I want to synchronize supply and demand, I need to put KPIs to show that I am being synchronized. One of those KPIs is how accurate is my forecasting, all right? So if the forecasting is poor, this means the inputs to the SNOP process is poor as well. and might not be achievable. So when we put mean absolute deviation as a statistical measure for forecasting inaccuracy, that definitely means that I'm trying to figure out is the forecast being accurate or not. So generic forecast error calculations like uh, actual minus forecasted or absolute percentage of error or mean absolute percentage of error or mean absolute deviation or bias or tracking signals are all statistical KPIs that measures the forecast accuracy and absolutely they are part of operational KPIs for S&OP process yeah. from a demand standpoint. Yeah, Samir, just if you allow me, I'll add something here because it's one of the same pain points that uh, most organizations they face, but you know, it's hidden. There is a hidden element also inside the S&OP. Forecast accuracy alone and forecast bias will not determine that how what is the shape or the inventory health that you have it on 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 your inventory sure. especially yeah and the reason is that each sq if i'm talking about sqs that you have a higher stock transfer horizon or longer stock transfer horizon cumulative lead time uh, the forecast accuracy whatever or whenever that you calculating it one month lag uh pre s and op two month lag three month lag whatever that that the, the indication in that point it's all about the forecast variance and this is just showing the s and op maturity and leadership inside the s and op how they look only not only in a short horizons and they speak about their demand drivers including what's their baseline cannibalization what are the, their innovations and their their promotion whatever will have a driver in the demand this quality of discussion should be in into a longer horizon than the stock transfer horizon of a product just for instance, if I have a product that have uh, uh, that has like four months lead time from ordering cumulative lead time, just GI, GR, sailing, uh, clearance, the custom clearance, all of this like four months, and I look only in one month, like just looking in the next month will not serve the, the same purpose because if I have a spike or a forecast variance in out of the horizon of uh, after one month, let's say I have 100, 100, 100, 100, and suddenly I change it to 10, 10, 10, I have already ordered this 100, 100, 100, and it's coming, the pipeline. This is one of the pain points that people, they think that if I manage, if I have a higher accuracy and at the best bias, this will, be, it means that my inventory will be very healthy. And this no, is not no, no. true. It's just, it's just uh, as I said, this is on the downstream operations where we we try to see it. It got no, it got nothing directly to do with a, with an inventory. It but basically, how accurate are we from the demand or what is requested on the market, right? I mean, absolute deviation tends to measure that, and bias does this, but definitely it doesn't mean how good are we in managing inventory. Exactly. Thank you, Samir. I sure. think we have our friend Mohammed Amron agreed to connect. Just wanted to highlight due to container high price and lead time increasing, how the KPIs will impact the teams of right time arrival of shipments. Terms. Yeah, I, I, I think so. See, what is happening today in risk from a risk management standpoint is called a black swan. Black swan means no one saw this happening from a risk standpoint neither the COVID outbreak or what is happening today on the global shipping and so on, right? Uh, so uh, it is unknown, unknown. This is how the whole thing started for us, a kind of risk that we categorize it as unknown of what is gonna happen, unknown what should we expect. And same applies to the, to the, to the, global, the global shipping actually. So um, yeah, I think, uh, many of the measures that we had been using before the containers crisis and the shipping crisis 
are stretching now, especially the ones that relates to uh, the right stock quantity and the delivery time and so on. Right. So I was talking to a company the few days back and the logistics guys, they said we had been waiting for 46 weeks for the delivery <laughs> so far on shipping somewhere <laughs> on shipping on ports, you know. So what, what KPIs are we talking about here? I mean, the, the, the lead time to deliver and the order fulfillment cycle time had been stretched dramatically due to the situation. Yeah. Thank you, Samir. I sure. think our friend uh, uh, Sub uh, Subaj he's saying sending thank you Ahmed and Samir. Thank you for tuning in, brother. Feel free to ask whatever question in your mind. Our friend also Abdullah Harbi is sending also thank you. Glad to join you here. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, the next question is our friend Ojwal. He's asking what is the difference between S and OP and S and OE. All right. So basically, S and OP, you all know what is S and OP, right? <laughs> we are in the global community <laughs> for S and OP. But what happened last year is that PwC, the great Pricewaterhouse consulting organization, they released a white paper called From S and OP to S and OE. And that was very interesting. I had a read there. And the concept was is that we need to shorten the horizon of planning instead of thinking sales and operational planning let's think sales and operational execution and which means basically shrinking the time of the horizon so basically when you think planning. of a process it's stretched something like 12 months 18 months in the future and so on right that's is operational planning so the concept of sales and operational execution looks at the time horizon of planning something like six months four months because we live in a VUCA world and it becomes very hard to align long-term plans when the unexpected is happening, right? Especially in the COVID outbreak, things were uh, unforeseen for everyone. So the concept of sales and operational execution surfaced back then last year and companies are trying now to shift from sales and operational planning to sales and operational execution. So why don't you also shift to global s this, and oe this this is what i, I wanted to say <laughs> so global s and oe thanks for opening yeah this, so. <laughs> right, and, and i think i think it's worth that you google the uh, the pwc paper that talks it's just six pages uh, uh a very interesting read on how to shift from planning horizon from from 12 months to to four months for example and shorten the cycle of s and oe process actually demand forecasting, inventory planning, and everything, which 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 makes us more agile and adaptive to the ever-changing needs in the global economy. Perfect. Thank you, Samer, for these amazing insights. So we have our friend Ahmad Musa. Great discussion, Samer and Ahmad. Thank you Thank for you. tuning in, brother. Our friend Zichan, he is asking, how risk assessment impacts supply chain performance impact KPIs? By risk, I mean the greater uncertainty we have due to COVID and common problem like container shortage, wrong forecasting might be at risk. Yeah, I think I think we, we, we looked into this earlier, 10 minutes ago. As I said, um, what, what, what seems to be normal, for example, delivery within two weeks, order fulfillment cycle time for an average of two weeks or 14 days uh, used to be a standard for us but it's not anymore all right availability rate uh, uh, we used to have a certain availability rate in our for example for our shelves but then we are running out of stock so dunkin donuts today announced that they run out of, of donuts <laughs> certainly because <laughs> i saw, donuts, I saw yeah, your... <laughs> so my class, because of the inavailability of material and so on so uh, definitely those those uh, great risks happening out there makes the, the 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 measures that we use to to measure actually the KPIs that we look at in a way or another unrealistic from a measuring standpoint or or really stretching in the future like expand like stretching the lead time to deliver and the order from the cycle time making the supply chain less reliable making the supply chain unable to deliver what it is used to deliver which is called reliability of supply chain, actually. Yeah. So, Samer, just a question into my mind, and uh, 
I think that you have a great experience in supply chain consultancy. That's why I wanted to ask you this question from a real on-ground experience, some struggles even. When it comes to reporting and especially the KPIs, each KPI for sure that uh, has a loss tree. So that when it comes to having a loss tree, just to drive the aim from the loss tree is driving an actions that will improve and enhance the, the KPI better and better and better, whatever performance measurement it's been used. When it comes to taking a decision, and I believe that many organizations that they categorize many losses, loss level one, level two, level three, level four. What is your best way when you come into an organization that they are suffering from a, a challenge on, on their KPIs that they don't understand what is uh, the meaning of loss tree, how you can help them in this, whatever the KPI that they have, how you can help them by your experience? I, I always like to take a diagnostic approach for, uh, for, for, uh, for any problem the company is facing. I always like uh, to, um, to prioritize where do I want to focus my efforts on, uh, on consulting or enhancing or reducing uh, cost of doing supply chain, for example. So basically, I, I know this looks very simple probably for everyone, but having a 20 to 80 approach works very well in this place, where you focus the, on 20% of reasons that led to 80% of losses. And once you put great efforts in this place, you put your hands on the majority of losses, okay? So just like that, when you take a diagnostic approach to the majority of areas where losses really takes place, try to, uh, uh, to minimize them, this pays great, uh, a great uh, triples on the enhancement and reducing loss in the supply chain. So my, my sh shortest path to do this is a diagnostic approach for the problem, thinking 2080, where does the losses come from? How do they look like? What is causing them? Root cause analysis again, same continuous improvement approach, right? Uh, uh, measure and analyze uh, the side of the problem and find solutions. Yeah, right. I ask you this question. So I, this emphasizes again the need to create continuous improvement with with uh, with measuring performance. Actually, yeah, I ask you this question, Samer, because I saw many organizations that they try to focus how to allocate reasons into details into a level four, and when it comes to a reporting, you will see that they don't use all of this. Yeah, it's just a fancy reporting, but. What is the logical thinking? How you will be able to improve this? And they just put their focus, as you said, they put their focus in the wrong direction, which is I can just That's focus on the 80%. Yes, even level That's one, I will start to understand yeah. what is the root cause. I start exactly. asking the right questions. This is this is the main. So exactly. the, the next question, uh, uh, Samer, which is, I think that the booming, which is happening even in our era right now, era right now which is the digitization. And I want you to know your uh, personal opinion about digitalizing the KPIs or reporting. What is the optimal way when it comes to an organization to tell them that, guys, this is the best way to digitalize your KPIs or digitize it? So first, uh, first, yeah, the, the concept of, digital, of digitizing and digitalizing is trending, which is really great. Uh, worldwide globally and in the middle east the, the the reason why this is trending is because when we try to enhance performance or achieve objectives data is our friend data is our friend and mm -hmm. visibility becomes becomes the main reason why we want to automate certain processes so we have information flow and we we live in uh, in the 21st century are we in the 21st century <laughs> almost <Are we>? yeah <laughs> i think yeah. Are. And, uh, yeah, almost. so so, uh, so uh, and, and yeah this is a new era where 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 technology takes over many of the activities that we are doing one of which mm. is basically measuring performance today all right whenever you want to talk about the technology associated with supply chain one great way to to sell the concept to the upper management is thinking roi what do I get mm -hmm. in return of, of deploying any type of technology in supply chain, including the technologies that allows for measuring performance and so on, okay? So what will be the benefits versus the cost? And what are the real advantages for the supply chain that has resulted from the visibility 
and the ability to see through, control, and monitor, making every sh making sure that everything goes according to plan through this visibility. Okay, so the one best way to sell this is you, Mr. Manager, Mr. CEO, you will be sitting in the back of your office with one click, and you'll be able to see a 365-degree <laughs> view of your supply chain. Really, this is what I, what, I, what I tell CEOs at the organization. You will wake up every day. You will be able to see through an entire supply chain. How is, how is the reliability doing? How is your responsive rate? What is your order fulfillment cycle time? How agile are you? What is the cost of supply chain in one click? And then for you as a CEO on a very high level, you will be able to hammer and figure out why these things happens to you and to make the to ask big questions, why the cost of supply chain is going high and so on. That's one great way to sell any technology associated with supply chain, actually, <laughs> especially those with KPIs and so on. So they flutter, they sit back and say, wow, I want this yesterday, you know, I want this yesterday. Yeah, really. that's why I think, yeah, I like what you said, because most technology companies and there is no harm about this. They know where is the power and the, as you speak, it's about executives and CEO and how they can tell a story just to sell the idea of digitalizing regardless. And I like what you said, it's all about if I'm an internal organization, I need to understand the full picture, not just look into a small place, which is the cost versus the benefit. And some people, they don't understand this. What is the cost and what is the benefit? What will be the benefit here? Does it make any sense exactly. to have digitalizing and I pay all of this money and still I have, there is no, exactly. as you said, positive ROI. It's all negative ROI or almost it's zero ROI. So what is the benefit from that? So Correct. I think we have another question from our friend Abdullah Harbi. He's asking, can you tell us about procurement in general, especially what kind of system do you think is good to use? What's the difference between companies in using procurement and what do you prefer? The procurement is one of the functions in supply chain that has a great deal of automation today. So e-procurement software, Abdullah, is, uh, is, uh, is today, I wouldn't say replacing people, but I would say they are replacing a lot of the functional areas, what you do in supply chain today, like, for example, tendering process, communicating with suppliers, um, marketplaces, and, and so on, are all being automated sourcing process, contracting process, procure-to-pay cycle is being automated today fully. So um, e-procurement is, is doing great today. Companies like uh, ERP systems like SAP and Oracle and Microsoft, especially Microsoft 365, they brought into the table great e-procurement softwares and e-procurement modules that works perfectly with the ERP system. And, uh, and they, they really help digitalizing the overall procurement cycle, procure-to-pay cycle, and so on. So um, I wouldn't say I pity anyone doing procurement manually because we all like to do procurement activities. But I would say that e-procurement will help the organization automate many of the functions that looks very operational to you, like following up with suppliers and so on. So the procurement professionals would dedicate their time to doing something more tactical and strategic other than collecting three offers, printing them, and stapling them together and evaluating them. <laughs> the e-procurement, seriously, the e-procurement will do this for you. Will evaluate suppliers, will will collect offers, will help submitting offers, and, and, uh, and everything that you do on a daily basis. So you would have a space to think tactically and strategically beyond day-to-day -day operations, actually. I don't want to promote any um, any procurement software, but definitely there's great Jugger Solutions is amazing, Coupa is amazing. And these companies, they sell standalone e-procurement softwares, which means standalone means that you can adopt them regardless of what ERP system that you have. You can just create integrations with them uh, and so on. I hope this answers you, Abud. Thank you, Samir. We have our friend Ojwal. He's asking, okay. how are IPP and S&OP is different? He's speaking about integrated business planning. Sure. Yeah. So, so basically, just like uh, the the how <laughs> um, someone somewhere in time five years ago or so came up with the integrated business planning, and integrating business planning takes the S&OP process a little bit higher, where we look at the financial 
um, we look at financial points earlier in the S&OP process, all right? And we see how feasible is this demand, how feasible is the supply, how feasible is this integration or expansion in the future before we go ahead with that. The original S&OP process looks at the financials in a later stage where we see if any investment is have a financial or beneficial approach uh, after we discuss this technical approach. But in integrated business planning, uh, we really integrate financials in a very early stage in the in the S&OP process. And then the the IBP evolved between organizations. And many organizations today, they think uh, uh, integrated business planning instead of S&OP process. Thank you. I think that you have summarized in a very simple way. And just to add to uh, uh, Mr. Ojwal, that we have already spoke about this with uh, our thought leader before, uh, Gabriel Werner, about the, the difference between S&OP and integrated uh, business plan. It was uh, episode number 16. So you can come back. It's one hour if you want to go into details, like uh, Samar, he has summarized in a very easy way. So another question. Mohammed Hafiz, he is asking, do you see reverse engineering and 3D uh, printing uh, is a solution for localization of the critical spare parts in the shortage and lockdown periods? Probably viable, but uh, you know, the, the problem with uh, emerging practices, like th this is a very nice question, actually, I'm thinking of it. 3D printing is an emerging practice. Uh, the definition of emerging practices are great practices that's booming, but not everyone is using them, right? Blockchain is an emerging practice. 3D printing is an emerging practice. Um, uh, artificial intelligence is, uh, in supply chain is emerging practice. Means we all we all hear about them, but <laughs> we don't see them all the time. <laughs> so do I think that uh, are they the solution for localizing critical spare parts? um it is something to consider it is something to consider in the in the times of crisis actually but i don't know that how, how will the deployment be how long it will take place before we adopt those emerging practices but this might accelerate the crisis might accelerate uh doing things or promote doing things in a different way one of which is probably considering 3d printing for example and recently i have looked i looked up 3D printing and really 3D printing had gone so far in the applications to the extent they build houses, bridges with 3D printing. And that's really mesmerizing to me, you know? Yeah, so, so uh, you know, being forward looking, yeah, I think com organizations, companies, countries can try to consider how 3D printing can help in, uh, in resolving, potentially resolving this crisis actually. But anyway, still, 3D printing requires inputs and material. <laughs> so if you have global <laughs> crisis that touch base with those material, then uh, yeah, 3D printing will be delayed as well. So you have to localize everything, All right. I think, if you want. <laughs> so yeah, we'll... yeah. Which, is, which is nearly impossible, which is nearly impossible. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So thank you, Summer. We'll jump into our friend, Shadil Jackie. He's saying the future of supply chain is, is digitalizing everything. Data will be our breath through flow of uh, massive information we will receive in the simple in a simple click. Very well defined, the Shadi. Thank you. I, yeah, I like it, but but uh, but I don't see this happening in the near future. All right, uh, looking at the status of organizations and the digitalization, or, or how far companies go in the a concept of digitalization and there's a great misconception by the way we deviated from kpis and measuring performance yeah now we talk <laughs> digitalizing supply chain <laughs> anyway uh, many companies many, many companies today uh, they say we are digitalizing the supply chain but they actually end up installing erp systems which is mm -hmm. which is not bad but not really digitalizing the supply chain the supply chain goes beyond this actually yeah that's why i don't see this happening in the near future but of course, um, supply chain of the future will be uh, will be uh, autonomous, will be artificial. Yeah, I agree with you. But this is not happening in the course of next ten years, for example. Yeah. 
Thank you, Samur. I think we have a great question here from our friend Angela. How can you improve OTIF while maintaining healthy logistics costs with service level agreements of same day delivery? <laughs> I think she's looking into the last. I don't mile. know. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> See, uh, Angela, Ontario Fall is one of the most common KPIs. Uh, that companies relays on today to realize how good is the customer satisfaction on time in full, straightforward. But uh, you want to maintain healthy logistics cost with a good service level. I think these are contradicting objectives. And one thing, it's always, it's always great to create balance between different KPIs, but I will always, uh, I will always uh, advise uh, professionals in supply chain to avoid conflicting KPIs. Mm -hmm. Let's face the reality of this. On time in full requires, requires efforts to be achieved, right? Yeah. Including being on time and in full speed, probably speed of transportation, extra stock, maintaining extra stock availability to be on, in full and so on, all right? So the, the, the trick here is maintaining a great service level and this is something you learn for life, uh, Angela, maintaining an optimal service level with the lowest cost possible. Mm -hmm. Meaning you don't want to maintain 100% service level where you don't make money. Inventory. Mm -hmm. Inventory. Yeah. yeah. I, I can simply say I want to bulk inventory. I want to ship everything by plane to maintain 100% service level. Or I want to expand my network, open newer houses everywhere to create 100% service level. But you end up at the bottom line, not making profit, but making 100% service level. I would rather do 94% service level with some sacrifices, but making profit better than 100% service level and not where we profit. don't realize profit at the bottom line. All right. So yeah, the, the, the balance here, Angela, requires you to study if we do 95%, how much we pay, how much we get. If we do 96%, how much we pay, how much we get. If we do 100%, how much we pay in a simple way, huh? how much we pay, how much we get. And then the greatest gap between them, how much we pay and how much we get, is the ideal service level for you. So if the greatest gap between how much we pay and how much we get is on 95%, I think you should consider delivering 95% on time and form. Mm -hmm. Better yeah. than 100% without, with a smaller margin between them. Higher margin, smaller margin. You want to survive business, you want to create higher margin, you want to sacrifice some service level or excellence in supply chain, like doing 94, being more realistic than doing 100% service level. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, perfect answer, Simon. Thank you so much. I think that we have another question. We have our friend uh, uh, Bizad. Uh, he's asking what KPIs you would define to measure the supply chain agility. Mm. Straightforward. The the measurement of agility is uh, is, is straightforward. Actually, uh, three main measures are uh, are proposed through the SCORE model, the supply chain operation reference model. So basically, the supply chain operation reference model is a model, SCOR SCORE is a model that had been developed 20 years ago by hundreds of organizations to unify the way we do things in supply chain. One of which, the way we measure supply chain performance, all right? So when we talk about agility, and agility means the ability to ramp up and down according to the changing needs of the customers. Ramp up and down according to the changing needs. This is the real meaning of agility. So I, I can always think of upside adaptability which means my ability to ramp up and adapt to a new situation in the market. Say, for example, I used to deliver 100 deliveries per day, and the market today requires 150. So my upside adaptability means how much can I shift from, how much time and efforts needed to shift from 100 to 150 deliveries per day. Mm. Right? That would be upside adaptability in this case. And you can do the downside adaptability if the market used to need 150, but it needs mm -hmm. 100 today, how can we take it down? What is the percentage, the realistic percentage that you could 
achieve by taking it down from 150 to 100 would be your downside adaptability. How do you adapt downside and reducing capacities, capabilities, and so on? So these are two great measures to look at when we say we are measuring our agility in supply chain. We can look at yeah, we can also look at the value at risk, and this is definitely beyond the, the discussion and the long story. The the amount of risk that you have in your supply chain, and how do, and do they make you agile or not? The higher the risks you have in your supply chain, the less agile you become. All right. So you can't be agile in sourcing when you have uh, a bankrupted supplier. So the higher the risks you have in your supply chain, the less agile you become. So you can associate agility with the value of risks that you have in your organization, which is totally the opposite, right? Thank you, Samir. I think that we have the last three comments. We have our friend Abdullah Harbi got it. I appreciate it, Samir. Thank you so much. The last question is from our friend Ala. Uh, he's asking, hello, what's the best startup time for Horizon for s and and or IPP. Can you elaborate more on the question, Ahmed? What is the best startup of time horizon uh, uh, for S and OP or IPP? So, Ala, if 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 I understand you correctly, I think that you're talking about the horizons of discussion for S and OP or integrated business plan. What are the discussions that you speak about the forecasting oh, unit? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, in a nutshell. For, for time purpose, S&OP looks into, S&OP is a tactical planning process. And the definition of tactical is about the horizon. So companies, when they execute S&OP, they look into the future for 12 months time, nine months time, 18 months time, trying to predict and synchronize supply and demand. So the, if I get the question right, S&OP looks into the future 18 months ahead, more or less. So does integrated business planning, because integrated business planning as well does not shorten the horizon. They still look into the future, but with more financial viability and feasibility of the actions and so on. Probably your question would come back to the S and S and OE, the the sales and operation execution. Uh, companies companies try to shrink the time horizon, which I I'm in love with the idea actually, given the current situation. To, to three months' time in the future, four months' time in the future. And this promotes being flexible, being agile, being responsive. So S&OE is not about only shortening the time. It's also about adapting very fast to the three months ahead of time and what's going to happen to me going forward. And thank you, uh, Samer. I think we'll take the last three comments from people that they send their greetings and thanks. Our friend, the center is just saying bonjour. Et je parle français. So thank you for tuning in. Ne parle pas français. Okay. So our friend, uh, uh, Vichon, uh, he's saying that great session, Mr. Samer. Informative and interesting uh, discussion. Looking forward for more sessions like this, Ahmed, from the global S and OP community. Also, you should consider changing to S and O. Uh, OE community. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I think it's uh, as long as it's uh, in the trend, we will go to it. Thank you so much. Uh, the last comment is from our friend uh, Z Chan. He's saying, Great session. We'd love to have a session again with Mr. Samer. Thank you, My Ahmed, pleasure. for arranging this. It's a pleasure. Sure. Samer, I think that we have reached to the end of our amazing episode. Let me tell you that the amount of knowledge I keep saying that I even personally absorb it today from you is a real amount uh, of uh, knowledge that we will never find in book and based on your lovely experience. Thank, thank you, you again much. for your insights, for Amazing. your time. And uh, hopefully again, as the Chan said, let's have another session for another sure. topic because your experience is unlimited and in fact we need to make use of this experience and share that influence more people thank, thank you, you so very much, much. Ahmed, for having me uh, really my pleasure to see you guys and talk to you always and yeah let's consider something in the future shadi thank you very much uh, zishan uh, everyone zintar ala my thank pleasure you. Them, inshallah. looking thank forward you so. to
ان شاء الله هاف ا جريت داي جايز اند سي يو اجين باي 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 ثانك يو فور ليسننج تو اور جلوبال اس اند او بي كوميونتي بودكاست وي هوب ذات يو هاف ابزوربد سام فاليوز فروم ذيس ابيسود دونت فورجيت سبسكرايب تو اور بودكاست تو بي نوتيفايد ايفري ويك وذ ذا نيو ابيسود يو كان فيزيت اور ويب سايت احمد خالد دوت سي او or A-H-M-E-D-K-H-A-L-E-D dot C-O We believe that one word, one story, or one conversation could transform your life. Stay tuned next week with a great thought leader in S&OP. Have a wonderful week ahead.